Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to today's episode episode of Everyday Truth. I am in Jeremiah chapter 10. I guess you are too, if you're, if you're following along. And we are talking about uh, the contrast between the true God and all the false gods, the, the small, small G gods. Sorry, I got something in my teeth right there. Uh, but to all the small G, G gods and just how ludicrous it is for someone to worship something that they know they have made, that they have constructed. Uh, how how uh, vain, I think is the word the Bible uses here, empty is false worship. And in the vein of that conversation, we're in verse number 11. So Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse number 11, the Bible says, thus shall ye say unto them. So th- those that uh, persist in their understanding or their belief that false gods are valuable. Thus shall you say unto them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. So what language? The gods that haven't made the heavens and the earth are going to perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Uh, They had nothing to do with the material world. Uh, they're part of the material world. And when the material world passes away, they're going to pass away too. Uh, did not Jesus predict that heaven and earth shall pass away, uh, but my word shall never pass away? What about uh, Revelation chapter 20, where the Bible says that the, the, the heavens will roll up as a scroll? Second uh, Peter chapter 3, all that's material in this world will one day melt and pass away. In fact, in light of that, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Uh, Peter asks us in that chapter. So the point is that false gods and these idols that represent them are are material things uh, that we have made with our hands and will pass away. The heavens and the earth are, in contrast, what our God has made. They are the material of his hands. And so the, the contrast is not even uh, worth talking about. Uh, the gods, capital G God that made everything, or the small g gods that we make that are made from the material that God made. Look at verse number 12. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom. And hath stretched out the heaven by his discretion. So, God is powerful, omnipotent. He made everything and omniscient. He knew how everything would work together, uh, how the material world would be constructed, all the systems that are in place, the balance of life, uh, the assembly of the DNA and the 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 atomic level. I mean, just as deep as you want to go in God's creation, as far as microscopically deep, you're going to find God there and the complexity. And as far as you want to go in God's creation, 
I mean, take the most powerful telescope, take the most powerful microscope, look as far as you can, look as small as you can, look as big as you can, and you're going to see God's fingerprints all over it. Why? It is his omnipotence and his omniscience. Look at verse number 13. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in heavens, in the heavens. He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain. He bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. Like all of these huge things of nature, like the morning mist or the wind that comes and goes, uh, the, the lightning storms, uh, the, the, uh, the sound of mighty rushing water, just all the things that to, to Jeremiah and to his contemporaries were just inexplicable, that were awesome. Like, have you ever stood by uh, the ocean on a stormy day and just the crash, the sound of the waves, or stood by Niagara Falls, or maybe experienced a lightning storm, a true thunderstorm? I remember uh, traveling years ago with a group of people to the Grand Teton Mountains in northwestern Wyoming, and we were camping, and we were on a mountain during a lightning storm, and that was just an awe-inspiring night. It was a scary night, too, but the point is God, God, God does all of that. His voice alone. Look at verse number, um, verse number 14, every man is brutish. In other words, dull-witted, dull, dull, like uh, almost like an animal uh, without intelligence. Every man is brutish in his knowledge. So next to God, we know nothing. You take the smartest person who's ever lived. Take the Einsteins. Uh, take the Stephen Hawkings. Uh, take the the savants that that just know math or know language in such an incredible way. You take all of human knowledge together. Put it all together, even the way that we're exponentially gaining knowledge today with the advance of things like artificial intelligence and uh, all of the things that man has been able to do, put it all together and put it next to God and it makes us look dumb. That's the point, that the, the every man is brutish in his knowledge in what he, he knows or thinks he knows. Then it says, every founder is confounded by the graven image. So a founder here means like foundry, like making, working with metal. That's what it means by founder here. Not the founder, like the maker, but uh, fa like foundry, like working with uh, graven metals, like to make something out of silver or gold or brass or whatever. So the Bible says that the, every founder is confounded by the graven image. So, so we are confused and ultimately brought into confusion by what we construct with our hands uh, as far as these religious gods are concerned. And so man's knowledge is brutish. Uh, every religion of man is ultimately going to bring confusion because every religion outside of a true relationship with God through Jesus Christ is man-made. Religion by its very definition is man-made. Outside of the revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ, all religion is man-made and will ultimately just cause confusion. I like what my good friend Kerry Schmidt has done, and that is he has written a book called Done. 
And in that book, he demonstrates that every religion in the world, essentially, when you break it down to its component parts, says there's something you must do in order to have a relationship with God, in order to be saved, in order to have eternal life, or whatever you put on the other end of that sentence. But it's only through Christianity and the finished work of Jesus Christ that we can say, it's not what I have done, but rather what he has done to save me. That's what distinguishes, differentiates Christianity from every other religion and all the man-made religions, and that is that we do not work. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It's not, but we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so it is, it's faith in what Jesus has done, the finished work of Christ upon the cross. That's not to say that works aren't important, for indeed they are. We have been saved unto good works, and we are saved by a faith that works, Jeremiah, or rather James chapter 2, but we are not saved by works. Watch what it says here in verse number 14 again. Every founder is confounded by the graven image, for his molten image is falsehood. Uh, that it's a false religion. It's it's a fall, it's a false object of hope. Then the Bible says, and there is no breath in them. Think about that. In describing false religion, in describing these idols, Jeremiah says, there's no breath in them. Now, why that language? Because breath means life. Remember, God made man out of the dust of the ground, but he wasn't alive, even though he looked like a creature that was alive, even though God had finished the creation of man, what gave man life was God's breath. He breathed on him. He breathed on him. So uh, man is alive, has life because of God. Life comes from God. Remember, uh, it says in the book of John that Jesus breathed on his disciples. He breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. So physical life comes from God, the breath of God. Spiritual life comes from God, the breath of God. Then the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's one Greek word that means God breathed. And so even the Scriptures themselves are, are alive. Remember what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 about itself? The Word of God is quick. It's alive. It's powerful. So the, the Bible is like no other book. It's a living message from God that really helps us understand the living Word of God, capital W, which is Jesus. And so breath here means life. Uh, I, idols have no life. False religion has no life. It's dead. But Christianity and Christians and what we have in Christ and this book that we study, it's alive. And there's the difference. Look at verse number 15. They, these idols, these false, this false religion, they are vanity. That means the empty. They are vanity and the work of errors. In the time of their visitation, they shall perish. Every false religion has a shelf life. In the time of their visitation, when God deals with it, when judgment comes, they won't stand up to the muster. They won't survive. It'll all go away. Why? Because it's not real. And therefore, it is not sustainable. Verse 
number 16, the portion of Jacob is not like them. So when it says the portion of Jacob here, that's a reference to God. Now, God is the portion of Jacob. That's language of a priest. The Bible says about the Levite who received no property. The Levite received no property. Remember, all the other tribes received allocations, but the Levite did not. But then God said, but Levi, you are, I am your portion. And so as God looks at a kingdom of priests uh, in Jacob, he says, I am your portion. I should be what matters. I am the object of your devotion. So when the Bible talks about the portion of Jacob here, that's referring to God. So the portion of Jacob is not like them, not like the false gods. In the time of, uh, or rather, for he is the former of all things. Former, he makes it, he forms uh, like the potter forms the clay. He is the former of all things, and Israel is the rod of his of his his inheritance, the Lord of hosts, it is is his name. So God is unlike these false gods. Why? He's real. There's breath in him. He's alive. He made us. He forms us. We are his inheritance. He has a goal and a plan for us. He doesn't have a shelf life. He is eternal. See the contrast that Jeremiah is painting between the false gods and the true God. One last verse I want to read, verse number 17, actually maybe two verses. Gather up thy wares. You know what? Let, let's stop because I, there's a couple things I want to say about verse number 17. So we're out of time for today. Let's go ahead and stop there, verse 16, and we'll come back to verse 17 uh, next time. Hope you'll join, it, uh, join us for that. Uh, thanks for listening today. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.